Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So this past couple of weeks, I got two excellent, excellent questions or issues, I should say, that were worded a little differently, but had the same basic theme in them. I'm so grateful to my audience for reaching out and sending messages along in whatever social venue they find to either compliment, always love those compliments, um, or to ask a question or to engage in some way. It's so important that I hear from all of you. So I know that the information I'm providing is hitting the mark. And, you know, it's not just that I really need my ego stroked, although that is always fun to hear that people are really enjoying your work and think that you're doing good stuff, especially since this is mainly a volunteer effort for me. And it is a lot of effort. um, And I spend my own financial resources to get this out there to the community. So having said that, though, it is so great to know that, um, you know, there are certain topics that you want to hear more about or hear about, period. So this question was all about, you know, hey, what do I need to do if I'm about to retire and I have an adult child with a disability or with disabilities? So cool. Again, came to me in uh, two different formats, but wonderful question back to back. So, I'm going to tell you today the three most important things to pay attention to if you are about to retire, you're contemplating retirement, you've just retired, something like that, and you have an adult child who has a disability um, or some disabilities. Uh, If you call it special needs, great. Disability usually fits the bill for an adult, but um, everybody uses their own language. So three things. Ready? Here we go. The first most important thing to look at is updating your financial approach. And that is taking a look at Social Security and other income streams, as well as how you support your disabled adult child. So let's break these out one by one. First and foremost, Social Security will change for most disabled adult children if the parent retires and starts collecting Social Security. Many, many of our families have a disabled adult child who was disabled prior to age 22 and who will qualify 
um, under the parent's work record because they remain disabled as of the date of retirement. There is a little difference if somebody is retiring and the individual with the disability, the adult child, has never received Social Security or if they have been on SSI and then their benefit is about to change to SSDI. So if your child is already in the system as an adult receiving disability uh, disability payments under the SSI program, that's wonderful because that means that you've already gotten over the hurdle of proving their disability today, but you still have to go back and prove disability prior to age 22. And that requires a little bit of work with the Social Security office. Some agents that you will get on the phone are more knowledgeable than others and may be confused about what you're trying to do. So when it is your time to retire, if possible, make an appointment to speak with someone and let them know. I have an adult disabled child with, a, with you know, these diagnoses and they either are receiving Social Security benefits now or they are not receiving Social Security benefits now. And then you start that process from there. An adult disabled child, so we call it DAC, D-A-C, Disabled Adult Child, it's a term of art with Social Security, will be entitled to 50% of the benefit that the parent is able to claim under their work record. So let's say that the parent is getting a benefit of $3,000. The child may be eligible for up to $1,500. There are family caps. So if there is more than one dependent, such as a spouse or other children who will take a benefit under that same worker's social security number, that will potentially impact the amount of social security. And in 24 months after receiving SSDI under the DAC benefit, the disabled child will be eligible for Medicare if they've never had it before. And at that time, your health insurance under the Medicaid program will be impacted. More about that in a moment. So the other things, the other two things, so that was Social Security, that um, we do need to think about are, are there other income streams that my child may be eligible for as a result of my retiring? For example, do you have a pension program? And what are the rules of that pension program if you are taking a pension now and or what happens when you die? Every company is slightly different in the way that they develop their pension programs. And these pension programs are not actually um, as popular as they were back in the day. So there may not be many people out there who encounter this, but if there is an income stream of some sort, it's 
pretty important to figure out where that income stream is coming from and whether the adult disabled child will be eligible for a piece of that income now or a piece later when the parent passes away. And lastly, but probably most importantly, many of my families, when they retire, are still financially supporting. They are the bulk of the financial support to the adult child, whether that is because the child is still living with them, whether that is because they are providing resources in, the, in another home setting. Many families are still providing financially. And that needs to seriously get taken into consideration when budgeting for a retirement income versus a, an employment income. So please make sure that you sit down with your advisors, either your financial advisor, your accountant, your attorney who does your planning, or maybe all three, but pull together that team, that circle of care, because you are going to need them and you're going to need to talk with them about when is the ideal time that I actually want to draw my social security benefit. And they may not be familiar with how this impacts your child, but they will likely be familiar with, you know, choices that you have to make and can help you manage those options and maximize the benefits that you get for your family. There's a lot of push-pull here in making decisions about the income that you need versus the income that you might want to preserve later for your child. So a lot of options. Um, it can be very confusing, but you do want to get right on that. Okay, second, very important issue as well. Health care, health insurance. Where is your adult child getting their health insurance from now before you retire? Are they getting their health insurance through your employer? Will that benefit still be eligible for your child if and when you retire? And if so, what will that new cost look like? Will you want to COBRA the benefits if your child is no longer eligible? to maximize the amount of time that they get to stay on your plan. How you look at those things, how you decide those things is really in looking at a utilization model. How much does your child utilize the healthcare system? What are those costs? What do they look like? My daughter Elizabeth was a million dollar baby. She spent you know, probably close to a million dollars a year staying alive. That was, I'm sure, one of the most expensive kids in the Commonwealth. Now, if we were to think about, you know, our Medicaid program and our private insurance, I had a lot of things to consider. The cost of private insurance, the benefit of keeping her on private insurance. Well, what are those benefits? So for many states, not all, and you'll need to check this out in your state, the Medicaid program is a managed care program. And that means that you're either in a managed care organization, MCO, or an ACO. So your 
accountability care organization. I think that's what the name of it is. Um, and or your managed care organization is and can be somewhat limiting in the providers and the systems that you have to operate under. And you may have excellent primary health insurance. So even though you may have Medicaid as a backup for your adult child, you may want to hold on to your primary health insurance as long as possible to keep your child, if it does indeed keep your child, out of managed care for as long as you can. You also want to take a look at the other Medicaid benefits in your state beyond just health care. What does it provide as far as a waiver program, home and community-based services? This can be so confusing as you start to age and as they become eligible for more things. It's really great to sit down with a support broker to figure out how do I access programs? What's out there? Am I maximizing? maximizing public benefits for my child. And that really goes back to our number one issue, which is that our financial situation is about to change. We may be more limited in the financial support that we can provide to our child. So the last thing with health insurance that you really want to consider is who is listed as that authorized designee? In our state, we call it the ARD, the Authorized Representative Designee. And that's probably the language that most Medicaid programs are using. That person may or may not be a guardian, may or may not have a healthcare proxy, may or may not have a durable power of attorney, but every public federal public benefits program has its own way of designating a person or an organization to stand in and provide support and get information and share information with the agency. So make sure that you understand who those notices are coming to, because as you'll see in section three, you may need to update that. So moving on to section three. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing about mass health or Medicaid in your state. You may have had a premium payment for Medicaid prior to you retiring and your child being under a different system. This is something that you'll want to take into consideration as well. Are you paying a premium for this program? And how will that financially change? when you retire. Okay, third, not the least important, not by a long shot, is updating your circle of care. What do I mean by circle of care? Those are going to be all of the people and systems that support and provide services to your adult child. You are about to change your role in a dramatic way. You're in a transition. And the reason that I say this is because most people who retire have a lot of changes in their lives, not just financial, as we mentioned earlier, but also potentially moving out of state or changing residences, you know, downsizing, 
They are maybe dealing with healthcare issues, just not able to provide the care in the same way that they have for decades before. So you want to start looking at things like who is next in line to provide XYZ service? Is there a guardianship in place? Was it fine when you were doing all the decision support, but now you think maybe they're not going to be able to continue decision support without a legal document? Are there other legal documents involved, like powers of attorney, healthcare proxies, or power of attorney for healthcare, as it's called in some state? A supported decision making agreement. Who are all the people that are involved with those documents? If they are not in place now, do we need those at this time? People's ability to make decisions or to make decisions with support changes gradually over time. Our folks don't stop learning just because they turn 22. They're still learning and growing. So the way that they looked at age 18 when you went and got that guardianship and the way that they look now at age 40 could be completely different or age 35, whatever age it is we're talking about. There may be a different decision-making support arrangement that needs to be made and needs to really be looked at. Also, who will this person live with? Are they living at home still with parents now? And do we need to start figuring out who those residential care providers are going to be? Not just who's going to pay for the service, but who's going to actually provide the service. Many, many of my families, when they get to retirement, are still providing the bulk of the care and the bulk of the support and the bulk of the services and the creativity and the programming. And as sad as that is, we can stay on top of the changes that are coming if we pre-plan. You can help that by crafting what's known as a letter of intent. That letter of intent is all about what your wishes are for your person in all areas, the healthcare decision-making, the entertainment, the housing, the, the residential support. How does this person get supported in making their own decisions? What's going on vocationally? How are they in their social life? All those things are so important. And that needs to be passed on, not just as oral history, but as something that you actually write down. It is going to set your circle of care up for huge success in the future if you do that. Letters of intent, there are a number of them out there. You can find them on the internet. There's no one that's better than another. It's all about how you want to do it, the things that are important to you. Just get started, start small and keep building on it so that there's something in place when you are no longer able to speak for your person. And lastly, I wanna give you a bonus here. And this bonus is again, no less important than any of the other things that I've mentioned. But this is a really good time to take a look at your estate and special needs plan. That means all of your documents. A few minutes ago, we talked about documents for your disabled adult child. 
But what about your documents now that you are retiring, which means, hey, getting older for most of us, maybe you have some health issues. Maybe you have some mobility issues. Maybe you're going to be farther away than you ever were before. And you're not going to be able to stand in in the same way. So you need to take a long, hard look at your estate plan and figure out what documents are in place. Do they need to be updated? The tax law changes that impacted us at the end of 2019 are still today a crucial part of updating your plan. If you haven't addressed the SECURE Act yet, you really should. Anyone with a plan that includes a third-party special needs trust or otherwise known as a supplemental needs trust should really look at whether their documents are aligned with the SECURE Act so that your disabled beneficiary will be eligible for the stretch over their lifetime of the required minimum distributions from retirement plans. In addition to updating for things like law changes, many people who do their estate plan when their kids are young or on the younger side will have changes to the people in the care, the circle of care. Because, you know, hey, lives change. That favorite aunt now lives in Alaska. Or, you know, Uncle Bob is not doing any better than we are. And he's not a good choice anymore. Maybe you've had a falling out with somebody. Maybe somebody has fallen on hard times and they're not a good choice anymore. There are a lot of reasons to update your estate plan. But this time of your life is a very good time to meet with your advisors and take a, a long, hard look at what you've got in place and what might need to be changed. Okay, that's the end of my mini-sode. I hope that I haven't overwhelmed you with this information. Remember that planning, especially transition planning, is a process. It doesn't get done in a day or a week or a month. You can tackle some things now and some things next week some things next month, some things next quarter, some things next year. You do what you can handle. Getting started and doing something is better than putting our heads in the sand and doing nothing. Having said that, I'm here. I'm here to support all of you. If there's anything that you need from me, please don't hesitate to message me. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope that it's been helpful and useful to you. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have more ideas, please send them along to me. This was a great idea for a topic that came from two different listeners in two different venues. So thank you so much for that. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.